Become spellweavers, reavers, rogues, and men-at-arms, and answer the call of adventure. Pick up your sword, your axe, your spellbook, your bow, your rulebook, and your dice, and join the forces of good in their eternal fight against vile monsters, conspiring min-maxers, horny bards, and blood-soaked murder hobos. Discover the treasure trove of role-playing games here on Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your guide. Good evening, Boneheads, and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your RPG treasure trove. I'm your host and king of the Boneheads, Ryan Howard, and welcome to Valor Studios. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, Valor Studios is a tabletop role-playing content company, and we love sharing our stories with the world. If you're watching us here on Twitch, please give us a follow, and if you'd like to support us a little bit further, uh, you can hit that subscribe button down here below my face. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you for supporting us in that way. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe, turn on notifications, and share this with uh, your friends, your loved ones, your mailman who might be interested in role-playing games. And if you're listening to this on audio, thank you for supporting us on our longest-supported platform. I'm so glad that you guys have stuck with us on this one, uh, and we really appreciate that. If you want to take Rollin' Bones on the go, it's available at anchor.fm slash rollin-bones or on any podcatcher of your choice. Last but not least, uh, you'll be able to find links to our Twitter and Discord and our YouTube channel over here in the chat periodically throughout the show, uh, so check those out if you want to get plugged in with what we have going on here at Valor Studios. It's more than just Rolling Bones. We've got Axion, Tales of Valor, uh, way back on our YouTube, we've got Deadlands the Hellgate Trilogy, lots of cool things for you guys to see. So, with all of that said... Let's get to tonight's guest because we've got a quick one right now uh, <laughs> because they've got to get to their own show here in a little under an hour. Uh, so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boneheads alike, I just want to introduce you all to Haley and Weston Bell from the Party of Two live stream. They are here tonight to talk with us about all the great stuff they do. So Haley, Weston, welcome to Rolling Bones. Hi. Hello. Thank Thanks. you for having us on the show. Absolutely. He stole my words. I did. <laughs> so rude. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you have to try and wrangle us tonight, right? It's all good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, I've, like I've told several people, you can never talk too much on a talk show. So don't worry about it. Haley, don't take that to heart. <laughs> I, that is not a challenge. I understand. It's okay. <laughs> well... As we traditionally do here on Rolling Bones, I got to ask you guys these introductory questions. Everyone gets asked them when they come on. So let's begin at the beginning. How did you guys get into role playing games in general? So the way that we got into role playing games, my first exposure uh, was a long time ago. Um, I had a uh, an individual when I was serving a a uh, proselytizing mission for my church. I had a guy that I was with, and he's like, "Hey, I want to play Dungeons Dragons." I'm like, "Okay." We have nothing better to do. Sure, why not? So I got a little exposure back when I was like 19, 20 years old. Then we fast forward. I've discovered Critical Role. Or did you discover Critical Role? 
Technically, I discovered Critical Role first, but then like I didn't catch the bug, and he caught and the bug. I caught the bug. And so yeah. we began listening, consuming, uh, listening to contents like that. Then came the pandemic, and then came the lockdowns. And we have three children with ADHD. And more screen time means more crazy. Not all of them have ADHD. Oh, come on. Only one of them <laughs> is officially diagnosed. Oh, come on. Yeah, one of them's diagnosed. <laughs> we got three. So <laughs> they are getting, they are going nuts because all day long, I'm trying to work. She's trying to work. We're both working remotely. They're watching TV nonstop Pretty and much getting all crazy. Day. And so I said, all right, no, turn the screen off. We are doing something else. What do, what do I have to do? Dice! Just like, and we so, have dice! We have dice! And a computer! So I went, I jumped on D&D Beyond, created an account. You have a couple of, you know, basic things you can do with the free level there. I didn't have D20s, I had D6s. So it's like, okay, we're going to take the modifier and add it to a D6. And we created, for, for our two older ones, we created Michael the Master of Magic and Hulk the Strong. He was a barbarian. He was a barbarian. In case that was not... Yeah, in case yeah. that was not uh, obvious. And... <laughs> You know, I just started throwing something together, tell a story, and roll some dice, and they loved it. And especially our oldest, who is uh, autistic, it was really cool for him because I started noticing him being able to role-play situations, social mm -hmm. situations that he doesn't necessarily, you know, has a hard time with in real life. And so... I started using this as a mechanism to try and help him to role play real life social situations through the game. And so we started doing game nights, brought over grandma, grandpa, you know, and Haley started getting involved and we'd all play. Um, I couldn't afford brand new D and D books. Someone locally was pretty much giving away their pathfinder first edition. So we started on there and started running at home games uh, with the whole focus being our oldest. Mm-hmm. And I, I had had a little bit more exposure to it. My friends all growing up through high school, we were all theater people, but they were all into D&D. &D. And I was that girl that was like, I'm super popular. I don't, I, that's too geeky for me to do. I was kind of lame. And so I didn't play until I, until Weston and I um, started playing. And I still was kind of like, eh, I don't really, I don't really get this. And then that's when he's like, just give Critical Role a try. Just just try. She had to see what it could be outside of the scope of playing with a nine-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I gave it a try. I almost quit like three times in the first like 20 episodes of Critical Role because the audio was so horrible. Uh, but then I finally found the stride and fell in love with it. And after that, it was like, I'm a theater person, so if we're going to play, we're going to do it all the way. We're mm -hmm. going to stream. We're going to make this a big thing. We're going to do the social medias. And, of course, like, now a year later, we're still doing it, and we've added two shows. And so now we have three shows in total that we do on our channel. And it's like we found what we love to do as partners and as parents and with our kids and, like, the rest is history, I guess. we'd only been playing for, what, six months when you're, like, when we Let's started stream! streaming? Yeah. <laughs> So we jumped in both, you know, both feet. Uh, we couldn't just play. It's like, okay, I've, I've been GM for six months and now I get to be a GM on stream. Okay, here we go. Yep. Yep. I don't nothing do anything like, halfway. Yeah. No, nothing like jumping all the way into it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, pretty and, much. And, 
And I say this as someone who has followed the same pipeline. There is definitely a theater to D&D pipeline. Uh, that's that's how I kind of caught the bug as well, was I did theater in high school. And then in college, I started playing D&D. So that's, you know, the mm. pipeline is there and it's it's well trodden by a whole bunch of different people who've been on the show and who I've talked to in real life. So, yeah, that's definitely a thing. I honestly don't know anyone in our sphere that hasn't done theater of some type before they did D&D. I know, I know quite a few, but they're, they're more my people. They're, they like know, to get they're mechanics. Thinkers. They want to min max their character. They want to find the right build. So you get the and two all, different types. All my friends are the feelers. Yes. They're the role players. Yeah. Yours are the ones that are like, yeah, all, it's all about story. It's just all about that. And I'm the one that's like, Hmm, how can I make this gloom stalker ranger do an extra one D six damage on the next? And so he's also I, a little bit of a rules lawyer. So when I GM, it's like, I have to like throw something at him sometimes and be like, I'm in charge. Shush. <laughs> so together we get the both sides there. She's very much that that thea theatrical aspect that you bring, um, whereas I'm the one that can read the book, remember all the rules, and let's be honest, I build all your characters. That is not totally true. It's only partially true. <laughs> Shush. <laughs> so uh, of the games that you guys have played, like the, the game systems that you've used... Uh, in, in the games that you've run, what's been your favorite one so far? Oh. I know the answer to that for myself, but I always feel bad saying it. I don't, that's, that's hard. You go first, you go first. Okay, so I've done Pathfinder 1E, 2E, and D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. I haven't played, you've played more systems I've played more than systems I have. Than you have. But my favorite is Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Gotcha. I feel bad because we're switching over to D and D for a new campaign come the the fall. So I like, I hate saying that it's my favorite because it's like we're leaving it. I feel like you've we're also abandoning played in that. Child. I think you've also GM'd in that the most, so you get a, a different yeah. feel for it. The, there's so many advantages to all the different systems. We're going to be doing a show soon where we we talk about some of the the comparisons because it's really difficult when you jump into them. There, each of them does such a good thing. If you've played The Witcher or any of the, I don't remember mm. what's the base system that The Witcher TTRPG is based off of, um, but their combat is engaging because everything's um, uh, competing roles. So I, you roll to attack, I roll to dodge. And then if I don't manage to dodge, then like you get to the roll another dice to see which part of my body you hit. And if it's my head, you do three times damage. If it's my hand, you have this other effect. So the combat's extremely engaging in that one. Um, Super crunchy. Though. Cyberpunk uh, was really interesting. So many skills, so many different ways you could do things. Um, then Pathfinder, the great thing about Pathfinder is all the rules are there. There's literally a rule for everything. So if you're a brand new GM and you don't feel confident in making judgment calls, then Pathfinder's a really great one. You're going to have to mm -hmm. spend the time to learn the system, but then you don't have to guess. There's almost no rule yeah. where you have to guess, okay, what, do, what am I supposed to do in this situation? The rule is there for you. And so in that aspect, it can be a little more, a little while more technical, a little easier for a new GM. Whereas D&D, &D, it's so much easier to be flexible. You know, just throw advantage out 
You know, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you know what? I think you should be able to do this. I'm going to make an advantage as opposed to in Pathfinder. If I, if you do 10 plus, if your um, dice roll plus the modifier is 10 more, you critically succeed. So you give a plus one that can make a really big difference when you're bounded in these things. So mm-hmm. Each one really does have, I, I used to be like, this is the best system. This is the best system. The more I've dug into them, they each really have their thing. That he they're is really so good at. diplomatic. Well, honestly, oh it's because gosh. I can't decide. And I'm up here point. being like Pathfinder second edition is the best period. Just, just go. You haven't had the GM a, se- a session of D and D though. I have not. You are right. I have not. You played D&D a lot yet. of D and D. You haven't GM'd one yet. I think once you GM some D and D, you're going to be like, well, never going back to Pathfinder because it's so I, much more. But... Well, it's so much more allies itself to the kind of free flow that you like. Yeah, but you can be a leshy. Yes. And a sprite with a corgi mount in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. You can't do that in d True. Pathfinder has uh, definitely a lot of options there. So, yeah, I, I don't know at this point which one I'd say is my favorite. Uh, <laughs> I think it would really depend on the type of campaign I'm writing. Uh, gotcha. Depending on the type of campaign I'm writing, different systems will work better. Um, and also how long you've been a GM. If I had yeah. just started GMing and I didn't really have the flow, I would be scared to DM in D&D because there are so many gaps where it's the DM has to make a judgment call. Mm. And that scares me with, if I didn't have any experience. Because yep. there's a lot of things where it's like, like you look at the the reward system. You look at you know how much gold should you give at a certain level. If you look in the the D and D guide, it's like oh anywhere between five hundred and five thousand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? And Pathfinder has an actual table for every level. Yes, for every mm-hmm. single level, like and like how many magical items that you should have, and and like the common, uncommon, and yes. rare. And well, stuff it doesn't like even that. have that. It's like okay, you should have this. Every, every item has a level to it, just like a monster does. And it's like okay, at this level, they should have total value equaling this much with this many of this level magic item, this many of this level magic item. So then you like again, no guesswork. It takes out the guesswork out of it mm-hmm. if you're brand new into it. But there's a mm-hmm. lot to learn. So that's where if I someone said I'm a new GM, I'm like, are you a technical person? Yeah, Yeah. his personality does really well with Pathfinder. Hmm. I might do better with D&D. We'll see. Yeah, I I was actually surprised that you said Pathfinder 2E originally just because now I've this is some this is coming from the perspective of someone who's never played Pathfinder. Um, Mm -hmm. I've just never had the opportunity. But from what I know of Pathfinder, it is very technical. It's very like there's a rule for everything. And I myself mm-hmm. as a DM, I've gotten to the point where I try to cut as many rules out as possible and just like have yeah. more have more house rules, have more homebrew stuff, have more things that'll speed up the game so that we can get to the cool things and not have to spend so much time flipping through the book trying to find specific rules for things. So but the the other nice thing, and this is, I think, part of the reason why Pathfinder really works, is Pathfinder actually has a lot more free tools mm-hmm. that will oh, take care of yeah. most of that for you. Yeah, like, yeah, like Path Builder for the character building, like yeah. it takes care of all of the little nitty gritty rules that you would normally be looking up in a book. Like 
if you get sickened in combat, you just click the little button and suddenly it adjusts everything for you. So you're not having to remember, oh, this is, uh, I have to take two off of my AC for this or yeah. whatever. It's really nice. Whereas uh, it pretty much there's free resources for Pathfinder that would give you what having purchased every single book on D&D Beyond would give you. And so that's where I think that's why it works. I think if we were strictly pen and paper, Mm -hmm. you'd have a lot harder time with Pathfinder. But because there are a lot of free tools that give you everything, it makes it a lot. The barrier to entry for Pathfinder has dropped Mm -hmm. because of the free tools that do exist out there. Gotcha. It's true. <laughs> that was uh, probably more of an answer than he was expecting. I was about that. saying, like, that was a really, that was a Weston <laughs> answer. Like, the most stereotypical Weston answer you could ever want. <laughs> and and in the interest of getting to uh, stuff that's specific to what you guys are doing, I'm going to cut a few of these introductory questions, and I'm going to cut straight to the end here, because I have to know the answer to this question every time someone comes on the show. Uh, so if you guys... And, and I'll tell you, the answer can be as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be. If you could put anything on a T-shirt, what would it be? Okay, so this is a this is what I think about a lot because I have a cricket maker and a screen printer. And so I lot. think about things and I'm like, ooh, that would make a good T-shirt. So the most recent one. I don't have a favorite. I have a most recent one. Is this the one from this weekend? This is the oh, one gosh, from this okay. weekend. So <laughs> there's a story behind this one. So we're all up at a lake. We were at Jackson Hole, Wyoming this weekend, visiting my sister and my brother-in-law who live there. And we get there after a five-hour drive, and they're like, hey, we're all going to go to String Lake for three and a half hours. And it was like, huh, what? We're going to do what? <laughs> okay. So we get everybody packed up and we go off to the lake and we're having a wonderful time. Our three boys are having a wonderful time. Our oldest jumped off of this huge rock. Then he felt like a man and was like, it was a great experience. After the end of the trip, we're getting everything packed up and our youngest starts following the men who had all of the big heavy stuff, like the kayaks and whatnot. Um, he starts following them off the trail to take the things back to the to the car. And none of us were following because we were still trying to get all of the other things put together, like the chairs and the, the water toys and things like that. And um, he just keeps walking and we're yelling at him to stop. And my mom finally yells at him, there is no one over there that loves you. Come back over here. And we made the biggest joke out of that all weekend. It was like, I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard after she shouted that. So we're going to make her a t-shirt with a finger pointing that says, there's no one over there that loves you and give it to her for Christmas. Like I'm so excited about it. That the, the brilliance in that t-shirt is there are so many different ways you could, you could slice that. Like for, you oh, can yeah. make boot, bootleg college shirts uh, that kind of sort of look like college logos and sell them to the like I'm thinking of Ohio State and Michigan. You could have some kind of <laughs> bootleg. There's no one over there that loves you and somehow make it look we like Michigan start, colors or something. We just start putting like like semi logos that like o- yeah. homages to the logos of the different universities and sell those <laughs> Out, outlines, outlines of states. 
Oh my gosh, yes. Because like, there's every- the opposite ones that have like the state mm-hmm. and then the heart. And it's like, my heart is in such and such state. And it's like, there's no one there that loves you. Because <laughs> every, every state hates the state that borders it. So like, I'm from North Carolina. If I had one that had South Carolina on it, or now that I'm in Tennessee, if I had one with Kentucky on it. Yeah. Utah's oh, yeah. is Idaho. <laughs> yeah, Utah and Idaho have a major thing. That makes sense. I'm not born and bred here, though, so. No, you're not. You're a Californian. Okay, what's your T-shirt? Um, My T-shirt would probably be, it's not my fault. And then on the back, you would say, I'm allergic to stupid people. <laughs> That'll work. Yeah, it's like, that it's like, it's like, why are you getting mad at this? I'm sorry. I just I have an allergic reaction to stupid people. <laughs> they just, I break out in hives and get, you know. My temperature raises, my face gets red. It's not my fault. It's an allergic reaction. I I think that's kind of funny, though, considering the fact that you spend almost all of your time with me. Oh, <laughs> that was that was the most self-deprecating thing. If saying. I wasn't over here with my camera, I'd go over and hug you. Oh, I love you. We could, we're reach, 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 reach. There we go. Okay. okay. <laughs> So that would be my T-shirt. Gotcha. All right. Now, now that we've got some of those introductory questions out of the way, the first question I have, this one is for uh, actually both of you, but we'll start with Haley because this comes with or this comes from one of your recent tweets. You tweeted out uh, a few weeks ago about having to control your excitement when you're GMing for your spouse. Oh, the one that I went Matt Mercer fishing with. Yes. So I'll I'll ask each of you, what strategies have you developed to do that? And then I'll weigh in after you guys answer with my own, because I have GM for my wife before. So. It is so hard. It is so hard not to because Weston like he's Weston's my best friend. Mm -hmm. And so when I get excited about something, I want to tell my best friend. And so like, but I can't because he's the player and it just it's like ah so sometimes i will reach out to friends of mine um within the (laughs) perfect example this is a perfect example this was a piece of terrain that she built her very first terrain that she built uh for one of the first sessions she was gming in our session you can't Uh, see it very well with these cameras it's much better when we have our iphone 13 and it uh she was she she could not keep herself from showing it to me i was so excited but that was like at the beginning that was in the beginning now i'm much better at it when there's major story points though that i am keeping kind of hidden um i'll tell my friends uh, that are in the space about it but i like it's never as exciting because one person i want to tell has to go live it but once he's lived it in the game yeah, it's like, let's break it down piece by piece by piece. And I'm going to tell you about how I set this up seven sessions ago and like, oh, my gosh, like, yeah, it's it, it gets kind of exciting. There was um something that I actually did that I made Weston leave for yes. where I wrote out actual scenes for characters that weren't currently a part of the st- the story. That were like in a different place and I wrote scenes out and then read them so that the viewers could know this is coming, but Weston didn't know it was coming. 
So it was really fun. I had a friend of mine that started calling those sections um, D&D ASMR. <laughs> I was like, I like it. I like it. Were you like but whispering? Yeah. Or that no, I just, I have, a, I have a very good dramatic voice. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, that's mine. So sometimes I fail and sometimes I succeed. <laughs> How, so this is all about, this was a text you did about, you know, when you get excited about something and you're like, oh, I can't tell them because they're. Yeah, because they're the player. The player. Oh, I mean, this, this happens so, so often. Um, and, you know, but I have a hard time generally not telling. I know. You have no problem not telling. No. I don't. I can. I can hold it in. Like there are story points. So we, we've entered into. Um, in order to get done in time for our plans later this year, where we're doing our new campaign in a homebrewed world that I'm working on, um, the, I'm pretty much going to GM the rest of the campaign, mm -hmm. and I've got story points planned for that'll take us through to the end. Uh, and I'm a lot of them. I'm extremely excited about some of them. It's the funniest thing is when. Haley did something during her GMing section because we switch off that is actually completely wrong <laughs> because it's based off the information she had before. Uh -huh. And so honestly for us, it's not so much me not telling her uh, because I'm excited about it. It's okay. What do I not tell her? Because if she GM that section and she throws in details that are f not true, according to everything else that's been built and suddenly it's canon and now I've got to rewrite the rest of the campaign. That's more my concern that comes up. That's it's like happened like once though. It did. And the, it was like a dream with a God. For me, it's so. not about the ones that didn't, that are coming up. It's about the ones that happened that you didn't take advantage of or that yeah. didn't come into fact. Like case in point, I made a reveal to you during one of our, our uh, episodes just recently that uh, you have a cursed item. I told you this in our, in our talk show that you, you are carrying around a cursed item. And oh you don't know what yeah. It and <laughs> and then we went through a whole bothered thing. Me, like... It has bothered me now that she's been carrying this thing around for a long time I haven't used it. But because she's forgotten what the item is or ain't something like that, it's sitting in her inventory in her bag of holding. And she has no clue. And I'm just sitting here like holding this, holding this. And it's never. Well, you should you should have made it an item that I was going to use right away. I know. But you can't. And this is one thing. I is it guys, the cloak? I can't tell you. I cannot tell you, and I will not tell you. Is it the stone? When of the day comes that you that this curse comes to its fulfillment, that will be a glorious day. Oh dear! But that's that'll the be the day that I'm like, you are sleeping on the couch. You can't make cursed <laughs> items too, too, too obvious that like this is a big mm -hmm. thing, because then it's like you start to get wary of any good item you're given, well, and so oh, that's that's, that's, that's thing. So. You can't make it something that they're like, oh, this is the item I've been waiting for. Oh, wait, guess what? It's cursed. <laughs> and they just, then you just piss off. Then the you players. just get mm. angry. So, yeah. So that's one. For me, it's Hold more on. so the story points she didn't take mm -hmm. that bother me than the ones that are coming up. It's not Bruce, is it? Next question, please. <laughs> Bruce cannot be cursed. <laughs> I haven't told you. You have no clue, and I'm not giving anything away. Bruce is my Connie Corso companion. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the is, paladin class uh, in Pathfinder, the paladin can actually, if you take certain feats, can actually have an animal companion similar to a ranger. And so Haley's paladin, our uh, champion in mm-hmm. Pathfinder, has a, uh, a Connie Corsa, which we used the wolf um, mm. stats uh, for. Stats for that is her animal companion as a uh, champion. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And he's my best friend in the game. And he would be cursed. You, he had better not be. I don't think he's cursed because I got him back all the way at the first sesh season. Suddenly the curse will come to fulfillment and he will start pooping all over your house. <laughs> That's awful. It would be your house because you're the one that has the pop-up cabin. That's true. Dang it. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. See, the... The, the way that I've handled it in the past, and maybe this, this speaks to some of my failings as a GM, uh, I approach GMing in much the same way that Rachel Ghoul approaches world domination. <laughs> um, okay. Like, I, I'm sitting at the table, and, and it's Hanker and Fernell who originally uh, put it this way. He said, I've never had this expression on my face as a GM. Uh, for those of you who are listening, I steepled my fingers like a supervillain. I have, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> and I try to I I try to keep myself on the other side of the line of being the adversarial GM, but a lot of it is you have no idea what's coming your way when someone sits down. And so uh with my wife, uh, I'll be planning things or she'll start talking about things uh, in, in the game that we played in together. I'll be like, mm-hmm, yep, okay. She's like, what? See, the problem like, is Weston... Weston can't lie to me. So if I ask too many probing questions, I will eventually figure it out. She will, I'm not so a good liar. He, well, you're not a good liar and I just know you so well. So I, I have also learned the flip side of that scenario is mm-hmm. as the spouse not to ask too many questions. Because it also sucks when you do ask too many questions and suddenly you like. I know I've ruined a lot of birthday and Christmas presents that way. You have. <laughs> a lot of birthday and Christmas presents have been ruined. Add to that the fact that now we have our little children who run up to her right after we <laughs> no purchased ability. it and say, Mommy, guess what we just bought you? <laughs> Christmas, it is so Christmas funny. and you know birthdays have become uh, something like how pirates bury their treasure so no one can find it. <laughs> it's like I buy the thing, or like the rogue, the rogue just you know stole this thing. Now you gotta keep it concealed and hide it from the party so the paladin doesn't know and stuff like that. <laughs> That's kind of it what it's become when I buy birthday presents. Yeah. So I bought it. It goes in the cart underneath everything else so the children don't see it. Then immediately into a hiding place, never to be seen again until the day of its reveal. I, I have to tell this story because now we've mentioned evil plans and Christmas presents. Uh, <laughs> I was about three years old when this happened, maybe four. I might have just turned four. Um, But my mom had to take me Christmas shopping because I was at home. I wasn't in school yet. And she would say, now, you can't tell your older sister what we got her for Christmas. And as soon as we got home or as soon as she got home from school, my older sister would pull me into a room and be like, all right, I know you went Christmas shopping. What? Yeah. 
And so I was tight lipped. You know, I can't tell you. Mom, mom told me not to tell you. And so finally, I just made something up. This was 1999. And my older sister was all into uh, Mary Kate and Ashley. Okay. Okay. She had the Mary Kate and Ashley Barbie dolls. And uh-huh. I told her that my parents had gotten her a remote control Mary Kate and Ashley convertible for the Barbie dolls. Oh, I invented no. this toy. It was based on like some kind of Batmobile or something cool that yes. I saw on TV or something. But like the oh, doors no. opened, the trunk opened, it had headlights that worked. It, you know, it was remote control. This was an awesome toy that for some reason. Mary Kate and Ashley never slapped their logo on. I don't know why. Just some kind of oversight on their part. But definitely Christmas comes along and I, you know, I, I laid it on thick with my older sister. Christmas comes along mm-hmm. and we went to three places uh, for Christmas. My dad's parents, my mom's parents, and then we had our own Christmas at home. Each time my sister thought, OK, this is where I'm going to get it. No. And so we're coming home from the last place. And my mom and dad say, uh, how was everyone's Christmas? And, you know, I went on and on about what I got. And my older sister is like, well, it was good. And I was like, well, what's wrong? And she goes, well, there was something that I thought I was going to get that I didn't get. And mom goes, well, w- what is it? And so she starts describing this Mary Kate and Ashley remote control car. Oh, my gosh. And I start cackling. In my car seat. Wait, you're doing it. Yeah, you're in a car seat. Yeah. Oh, this is brilliant. And my mom goes, Ryan, what are you laughing about? (laughs) And Shay, my older sister, is like, what's going on? And I reveal my master plan that I had made this toy up because she had. You had to uh, tell her something. Yeah. You had to tell her something. But that is definitely a problem when you make stuff up is what if it's cooler than what they actually get? I could totally see my sons doing this. I could see all three of our boys doing that. 100%. (laughs) Especially our oldest. Well, and then our our, our kids would get so wrapped up in the story that they like, not that they think they're hurting. It's like, ooh, yeah. And what if I had this? And what if I had this? (laughs) Uh Now I'm just making up the toy I would want, but (laughs) changed a little bit. Oh my gosh. Well, serves her right for asking. Yep. I never asked you again, did she? Nope. Nope. <laughs> See, there we go. So that's what I need to do to Haley. <laughs> We're going to go with a hard no on that one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, the, the next question that I have for you guys um, And this is kind of the big question that I wanted to discuss with you guys on this show. With Party of Two, obviously, there are just two of you. And having been a part of an actual play stream before, I know a big part of filling the space is interacting with your fellow cast members. Mm -hmm. How do you guys manage to fill the space of a live stream with just two of you? Well, I talk a lot, so that's part of it. Um, I think it's because 
when we it's just the two of us we've created a story that is not party focused if that makes sense it is very focused on one individual so whoever's the gm is creating and crafting a story for that one person that's sitting in the player's chair so where you would have the camaraderie and the back and forth with the other players that can happen with the npcs but when you're taking a story that you'd normally be crafting for like a huge party aka four people or more and you parse that whole thing down to one it actually is fairly easy to make it flow the same way but i think people are very nervous to play one-on-one -on -one games because they think that it's got to be this big huge thing but weston and i i feel like we've done a really good job kind of from day one of just being the two of us and having a couple of NPCs that get to interact and making it a very smaller focus while having a big epic story happening yeah. at the same time. Because the one thing that on the f the positive side when you've got the large party is you're right. There's lots of that banter, lots of that joking that goes back and forth. Um, you don't have that. I don't think we have nearly as many funny moments. No, we have we a very have serious show, I feel like. Um, when you grab, throw all the party members in there, there's a lot more banter, a lot more funny moments that can happen. But mm -hmm. on the flip side, because when you have a large party, you always have to question what direction are they going to go. You know, there's a lot more questioning of, okay, if I throw these plot points in front of them, which ones will they take? When I'm just playing with just her, and I know Haley, and I know her character, I can craft the exact right quest with the exact right quest giver on the exact right motivation and know with pretty much 100% certainty she's going to take that and go exactly where I want her to go. Mm -hmm. So it becomes so much easier from a story writing perspective to guide the story in the direction you want to go. Cause you just craft it to match one player. Um, the one uh, way I had someone describe it was that when you're doing a one-on-one, -on -one, it's like a feature film. It's like a movie you're writing that character's story. So I know for Anna, if it's about young kids, if it's about young kids being in danger because she abandoned her little sister in her mind when she was younger, I can get Anna to it anything. Pretty much. But if I'm in a party, I can throw that motivation out there. But my three other party members, that might not be something for them. So they might try and talk her out of that. I don't have to worry about that at all in a one-on-one. -on -one. Hmm. So the one-on-one, -on -one, it, it's you have to write a lot more story. Yeah, you do. You do have to. You will go through two to three times as much story in that, and you even combats are faster. Yeah, combats fewer way turns faster. That take. <laughs> and so you're going to go through a lot more content in a shorter period of time. But writing that content becomes a little bit easier because you know the motivation of the person making the decisions, and so you can more easily guide them to those story points. So that's kind of, and because we're both fairly story driven GMs, mm -hmm. we like the story aspect of it. Uh, it becomes fairly easy that way. And we know each other really well. And that's the other thing is yeah. if I had to do a one-on-one -on -one with someone I had, didn't know at all, that I think might be hard. That would be really hard. Because again, then you have the same problem. You don't know their motivations. You don't know what will grab them. <laughs> then you also don't have the banter to buy time while you try and figure out what you're going to do. 
Yeah. So we have it easiest. That's why I think, you know, if you have that relationship doing sessions with a spouse or with, you know, really, really close friends, one-on-ones are a really awesome experience mm-hmm. because you can write a story that specifically makes them the hero and makes them feel awesome. I've done one-on-ones with our nine-year-old and it's no one else, but Michael, the master of magic destroying the bad guy. And he feels awesome. Cause guess what? He is 100% going to get the kill shot. Yep. Mm-hmm. He knows it always. And so you can craft all that a little bit better. Yeah. Well, and, and I feel like too, we, we do have a tendency to kind of just banter with each other, um, through the different characters, but we know how to push each other's buttons (laughs) and create scenarios that are going to like, be like, uh, this is going to really make me mad. And like me as a human being, not me as a character. So it ends up creating scenarios where we do have, is like back and forth that becomes either hilarious for us or hilarious for the viewers because they're watching us like literally get into a fight on screen. <laughs> now, one thing I would say if you're doing this, because one thing that does allow it for a little bit more is I do have the dreaded GMPC. You do. I, I, I do have that, which is everyone's like, don't do that. And when I GM, I do too. Yeah. So mm. the question is, so then there is an available, well, my camera just like went out of focus. Um, it doesn't like you, but the question is, okay, so that makes it a little bit better. So there can be some banter, but then how do we actually make that work? Well, my, when whoever of us is GMing that GMPC is not allowed to make a single decision for the party. Nope. They can give advice similar to how an NPC would, but they're not allowed to make a decision that which always the storylines gets crafted to where it's literally their story. Like Mm -hmm. if it's Anna, everything that's happening is Anna focused. It's not as, as doesn't have a personal stake in it other than the fact that it's Anna. Mm -hmm. And so then that makes it very easy for that GMPC to not have too much of an opinion. Yeah, they basically become an NPC and it puts a lot of pressure on the player. Yes. Uh for me. And I, I did ask, I did Matt Mercer um fishing a while ago, and he actually I caught a Matt Mercer on this one, which was exciting. Nice. Uh, but I know he's responded to two of my posts, and I just I feel like, oh my gosh, it's so exciting. But I asked him um a question about burnout because this does connect. I mean, through line, I promise. Um, but I asked him about burnout because when you've been doing a show like Critical Role for however many years that he's been doing it um, and been the GM, like, how do you handle burnout? Because it's exhausting. And at the time that I asked that question, I was GMing and uh, it, it was I was getting really tired. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's just mentally exhausting. And then switching to be the player, it was also really tiring because then it was like, Oh my gosh, I have to make every single decision. Because if you do a one-on-one, the player, that player has to make every single decision. There's no hiding. There's no sloughing it off to somebody else. It's right there. You have to make all the decisions. You do all of the things. Um, so I asked him and he responded with a really, really great, um, response of, you know, take breaks and switch out who's GMing and, um, you know, just have a space of being honest with your players and letting yourselves kind of take time off. Like you don't have to be on so much. And that was very helpful for me to hear. And then I, I responded to his response 
And I, I said, it's really interesting. Like, first off, thank you so much for saying that. But it's interesting because I'm the only player and my husband's the GM. And he liked it. He didn't respond to me, but he liked it. And I was like, okay. Well, that's and that's cool. where one thing we started but, yeah. to do recently and we're planning on doing more uh, is if it's a long-term one-on-one duet, uh, bring in guests. And yes, we get a session or two where there's some guests playing NPCs because then it does break that up. It relieves a little bit of the pressure of I'm the only one making decisions. I'm the only one, you know, doing all this stuff. And GMing and, four people versus one is way easier. Yep. Too. So you you change it up a little bit. We're we're gonna bring in guests. They'll be in for three episodes and then back to just us for a couple episodes and bring in another guest and things like that. Will if it's a longer term campaign, I think that helps a lot. I've got to go be a parent for just a second, and I will be right back. Gotcha. Well, we are unfortunately uh, running up against your time. Uh, I wish we had a, a little bit more time, so we'll we'll have to do this again at some point. Uh, yes. I, I definitely want to talk to you guys more about some of this stuff. Uh, so just as we're closing out here, uh, where can people find you, uh, especially where can people find you in the next few minutes because uh yes. we're gonna we're gonna raid you guys but want more people to hear where they can find you yeah on twitch they can find us at party of two rpg um on uh youtube i believe it's at uh party of two rpg live apparently someone already had party of two <laughs> um and then on twitter uh i think they can see our handles there um so uh, you can reach out at party of two rpg live on twitter uh, or to uh, Haley uh, specifically has her own Twitter at Haley M underscore bell that you can reach her out at Twitter. Um, if you have one thing we do every week is we do news. We do TTRPG news. We'll be doing that in the next uh, 20 minutes or so. Uh, so if you have news items or things, announcements for, you know, in TTRPG space that you would like us to make, you can also just email us at partyof2rpg at gmail.com. TRPG space that you would gotcha. like us to make. You can Awesome. Also just well, guys, email. thank you so much for coming on. Uh, like I said, we're going to have to do this again. And uh, for everyone out there, uh, as we're closing out, remember, uh, you know, you can you can find Valor Studios, the links that you've seen here in chat. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Howard underscore Ryan Gregg. Instagram is where you can see my miniature paintings, uh, which I think are cool. Uh, maybe you'll get the same amount of enjoyment out of them that I do. And uh, just to let you guys know, next week we will not be having a show for the fourth. Uh, we're taking another holiday break there. Uh, but the following Monday, the 11th, we're going to have someone on who it's been a long time coming, and that's uh, Diogo Nogira, who is uh, an OSR designer. He's worked on a lot of stuff that uh, friends of mine have done. And, you know, like I said, I've, I've been wanting to talk to Diogo for a long time. So we'll be uh, looking forward to that conversation. So until then, guys, I hope you'll join uh Haley and Weston over at Party of Two here in just a couple minutes. But until next time, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I'm so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I'll see you guys next time.